Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. What's up, church family? I told the teenagers to do that, so thank you very much. Thank you. Wasn't our worship team awesome? We get that every Sunday night for Moyo. That's it's just amazing to me how good they are. Amy does a great job leading the team, and I'm a proud daddy today because that one girl over here was my daughter, so I get to see her sing and do an amazing job today. If you're new here, we're glad that you've joined us. Welcome to Mosaic Church. I'm not the normal pastor. I am Armoyo, which is Mosaic Youth for short, youth pastor, okay? My name's Pastor Michael, also known as Pastor Red Dog. We're excited that you're here to be a part of the service today, and I promise you it's going to be a lot of fun. Have you enjoyed it, the glow sticks and all that stuff? This is more like our Moyo services, so you're just kind of getting a taste of what we do on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock, all right? Now I get to stand, I'm humbled and honored to be here today because I'm standing here where some of the greatest preachers in the world, in my, in my mind and in my opinion, you know, we got Pastor Jesse, right? <laughs> Brother Larry Jones, I mean, come on. And the infamous Pastor Mark Crow, man, some big shoes to fill. Yeah, give it, give it up for him. So needless to say, I was a little nervous to have to fill those shoes today, but I promise you we have a good message. So I need you guys to help me out. Um, there's something that we do every week in Moyo, and it kind of helps me get going, right? All right, so this is what we're going to do. I need you guys to repeat after me. And everybody, all the teenagers know what to do, right? You get really loud. And just repeat after me. It's all you have to do. You ready? All right, here we go. I will, I will change the world. Change all right, so you guys can do better than that. And I know we can get louder. There's a lot of people in here. We have 30, 40 kids in here louder than that. Come on now. Here we go. Ready? I will will change the world. world. All right. And I believe that. You guys are going to make a difference. You're going to impact the world. There's small things that you do every week, big things that you do. But here's the deal. Everything that you do is making an impact in someone's life, hopefully. Either good or bad, you're doing something to change someone. So over the last nine weeks, we've been talking about a series called Fruity Pebbles. Why is it fruity? Because we had pebbles on the stage, and underneath each pebble was one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so I didn't know what I was teaching on until they flipped the rock. And we'd have a teenager come up, and they would turn the rock over, and that was what we were teaching on that week. And so they got to hear Red Dog in the Raw is what I called it. <laughs> and I, was, I was dressed completely and all that, so no worries, parents, but... Anyways, we would flip the, the fruit over. I'd find out what I was teaching on. And one of the fruits that really stuck out to me, in fact, as I was praying and saying, God, what do you want me to teach on? Uh, patience really jumped out at me. Now, it's not the, not the favorite fruit, right? What that pastor say? Give me patience and give it to me now, right? And so we're going to talk about patience. If you guys will help me out, let's dig into the Word today. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. If you have your Bibles with you today, you can get it out. We'll also have it on the screen to help you to read along. It says this. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, 
but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what God has promised or what has been promised. And then he gives an example of Abraham. It says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. If you're taking notes today, the first point of this message is we need to be captivated by God's plan. Now, I don't know what you're hoping for or what's going on inside of you. Um, there's some of you today that, that you're destined to be the CEO of your company. You're probably working towards that right now. Maybe you're working to build your own business or your franchise. Um, some of you have unbelievable gifts. You can play sports like nobody. I mean, I know we got some great sports kids in here in our youth group. I went to go watch them play. Yeah, Dr. Auk is what I like to call him. So... Uh, but you can maybe you play sports really well. You can sing, paint, dance, act, speak. Uh, maybe there's some of you. You just if, if part of your plan, for, you know, what you're praying for God to do is just bring your child home, right? That, that that kid that's lost in sin or or fighting through some different things. Maybe you're praying for a marriage to be restored or for the right man or woman to come into your life, right? There's some of you. You'd be happy if God could just help you break the addiction that you're facing each and every day. That you're fighting against, that you want to walk away from, but you just don't know how to do it. Um, but here's the deal. That's a plan, and that's something we hope for, and, and we're praying for those things with you guys. But God also has a plan for you. And here's how you know the difference between um, just something that you're praying for and God's plan. If it's so big that you can't accomplish it on your own, if, it's, if it, the plan is so big that's put inside of you, that you feel churning inside of you, if it's so big that it would be impossible for you to accomplish, then that's the plan that God's put there. That's what God wants in your life. So we're going to go through, and I think there's not a better um, story in the Bible than the story of Joseph to talk about someone that had a plan that God put in his life but then also a process that he had to go through. You see, Joseph had a dream. And I'm not tar talking like the Martin Luther King Jr. dream. He literally had a dream. Like he went to sleep and had a dream. And he dreamed that his sheaf rose up and it was above all his brothers. And his brother's sheaves come over and he had 11 brothers and all their sheaves bowed down to his. And so he got the next morning. He's all excited about it. He went to the dinner table and he said, hey, guess what? Um, my, I had a dream last night and all of your sheaves bowed down to mine. Now, if my youngest brother... My dad's here today, and he could, he could tell you that this is the truth. If my youngest brother were to come in and say, my, or, 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 you're going to bow down to me, I would be like, there's no way, man. I am not bowing down to you at any time. And believe me, Joseph's brothers were the same way. But then he has another dream. And in this dream, he sees the sun and the moon and 11 stars bow down to him. And he tells his, his family again about this, and his dad even challenges it and says, there's no way. You, th you think even your mom and me, that we're going to bow down to you? But it says that he hid it in his heart, and he rested on it. I don't know what the dream is that God has for you, but I believe that we need to be captivated by God's plan. How many of you know that there's going to be haters out there, right? When you have a dream? Have you ever faced haters before? You've shared a little bit about what you're supposed to do? 
I remember I, whenever I was playing football in high school, we wrote down our goals, and I put, I wanted to play college football, be the first person to play college football in my family, and all the other kids laughed at me, right? So you ever had haters like that, where you tell them your dream, or you share about how you're doing it, you want to promote, you don't want to do this, and they want to bring you down, right? There's an enemy out there that doesn't want you to accomplish what God has called you to do. In fact, he's going to put a lot of roadblocks in your way. But those haters are something that you've got to get beyond. Romans 12, 9 through 13 actually says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. We're supposed to love others, not bring them down. We're supposed to lift people up. I mean, do you really help people with their dreams, or do you get jealous like Joseph's brothers did? In your notes, point number two is, We need to be captivated by God's process. We need to be captivated by God's process. So God has a plan for your life, right? But we also need to be captivated by his process. We live in a microwave culture, and I wrote down a few things um, just so we can talk about it, right? I mean, patience isn't a very popular thing. Uh, We don't have home phones anymore. We have mobile phones, right? We have drive-through everything. I mean, you can even drive through and get coffee now or donuts. I, I actually saw a place I drove through town and you can get drive-through prayer now. Do you know that? Yeah. So drive-through prayer. <laughs> you have microwave meals. And those who are single out there know about those things, right? You have pre-cooked food so you can warm them up quickly. And I've, I, we've used those a lot. You're in a hurry trying to get to sports. Throw it in the oven really quick. And there you go. High-speed internet, right? Not, not low-speed, not dial-up. Remember dial-up? Any of you out there old like me? Dial-up, yeah. Our teenagers don't know about that. Wi-Fi internet everywhere, and it's got to be free, right? Two-day shipping, but now, two, day, two days wasn't fast enough for you. We have two-hour shipping, right? Online shopping, lotteries, get rich quick, fad diets, Insta this, and grata that. Here's the deal, man. I think that in our church, this thing started to creep in. Let me give you some examples of some of the things that I've seen in ministry over the last few years. Um, I see the church turn into... A bunch of consumers. I'm not saying everybody, but I am saying there's a lot of people that are consumers, not contributors. They're more concerned about being served and how well they're served than how well they serve others. They they want success without stewardship. They want wealth rather than wisdom. Lights over lessons. A moment of deliverance over a lifetime of discipleship. Come on, everybody, right? They want to be, they want the platform without the process. People no longer wait to have sex, save to buy things. Yeah, credit cards now. Wait to have kids or wait to get married. This is some good stuff right here, guys. Come on now. Right? In Romans 12, 12, um, it says, be patient in affliction and trouble and consistently pray. Here's what happens if we're not patient. Remember the children of Israel? 
You know what happened to them because they weren't patient? And man, they complained a lot and they kept throwing their little temper tantrums and God was giving them everything, man. He was hooking them up. They turned an 11-day journey into a 40-year death. Right? James 1.3 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, what, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So Joseph had these jealous brothers, right? They were upset with him. And it wasn't just the dream, right? Because his dad made him this multicolored tunic. And he had him, in, and, and then he didn't have to work in the field. They had to go out and work with the sheep and all that. He got to sit around the house, watch TV or whatever they did back in those days. Some of you have brothers and sisters like that. And so he's like sitting there, and, and he was like the one that dad sent out when he needed to go check on the boys. And this day that, that I'm getting ready to talk about, the boys were not where they were supposed to be. Now anyone know about the little brother, and he comes along, and you're not where you're supposed to be? And this thought's probably actually went over your mind before, but as they see him coming, they're out of place, they're in the, in the town they're not supposed to be in, doing the things they're not supposed to be doing. They ain't helping the sheep. They're over in the town having a little party, right? They see him coming from a long ways off, and they begin to plot to kill him. They're going to take him out. Then one of the brothers kind of talks some sense into him and says, actually, let's, let's put him in a pit until we can figure out what to do with him. So he gets there. They throw him in the pit. Then they see these guys go by, these traders, and they say, hey, wait a second. The other brother, he, he says, hey, instead of killing him, let's just sell him. We'll get money, and we get rid of him at the same time, right? And so they end up selling him off to these traders who take him into Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, they actually put him into slavery, and he goes into this guy named Potiphar's house. Potiphar was the chief officer for the Pharaoh. Okay? So he goes from having this dream and having everything made, this awesome coat his dad made for him, to going into slavery, right? His brothers take and they tear his coat, they put blood on it, they go back home, they tell their dad, hey, um, he's, we found this on the road and he's dead. And so his dad's heartbroken and he's in slavery and he's, I don't know about you, but sometimes whenever God gives us a plan, things will happen in our life. But that's not the end of the story. See, while he's in slavery, he begins to work up the ladder. And he eventually, in fact, it says pretty quickly, becomes the head over Potiphar's household. He begins to run the entire house. How many of you know that God's preparing you during the process? He's helping you develop areas of leadership and to do all these things. But then, whenever he's getting to the highest level he can get to, Potiphar's wife comes into the scene. Now, she thought he was attractive. And I'm going to say some words that we say in youth. I hope it's okay to say here. But um, she, she pulled him, told him to come into the room to help clean. And she pulls him in. And she tries to seduce him. Right? And he gets up close. And, she's, and he's like, no, I can't do that. And Joseph remained faithful. And so she grabs hold of his coat. And she's going to try to bring him to her, her bed with her. And he runs out of his coat and runs off. And then she takes the coat and she goes in and she tells her husband, Hey, that Joseph guy, he came into my room and he tried to rape me. Look at it. I got his coat. This is the proof of what he did. And so he takes Joseph and he throws him into jail. So he just rose all the way up 
in the house of Potiphar. It's starting to look like things are about to come around, right? Like things are about to change. Where are you at? What season are you in? I mean, my, my season's never been as bad as Joseph's. I've never been in slavery, much less be, I've never been in jail. Not like that. So he gets put into jail, and here's the point where Joseph just gives up and the story's over, right? Teenagers, is that what happens? No. no. What the, what the Bible says, it says to persevere. He doesn't give up. You know what he does? He rises to the highest level in the prison. He becomes a leader over the entire jail zone that says everything he touched, no matter where he went, was blessed because he was faithful to God. Right? That's awesome. See, God wants to do some amazing things in your life. But Joseph wasn't the only one. Did you know that David, he was in the pastor. His dad didn't even believe in him. Whenever Samuel showed up to anoint the, the future king of Israel, he said, hey, um, will you bring out all your sons? And he brought out all his sons, and he went through all of them. And God said, no, that's not one, that's not the one, that's not the one. He gets to the last one. He goes, that's not the one. He goes, what? this is where you brought me? And he says, do you have any more boys? And David's dad says, yeah, but my youngest one, he's in the pasture with the sheep. He, he couldn't be the one. He says, well, bring him out here. And he brings him out, and guess what? He's the one. God said, this is the one that's a man after my own heart. And he anoints his head. But David didn't immediately become king. It was 15 years before he became the king of Judah. It was 20 years before he became the king of Israel. He was herding sheep so God could develop the leadership qualities he needed to be a king. There's some of you in the shadows right now. At your job or even here, you're serving each and every week and you're giving all that you've got. And maybe you're in the kids' room or you're helping in youth or you're greeting someone. And you're like, I got all this inside of me, all these things that I want to do. But God's still trying to develop some stuff inside of you. Amen. Amen. I'll take that one. Noah was 500 years old when God told him to build the ark. 500 years old. Anyone in here thinking I'm too old to do what God's called me to do? God can't have a plan for me anymore. 500 years old. But here's the crazy part. And I'm not sure that I had this kind of faith. He did what God told him to do for almost 100 years. Because it says the flood didn't come until he was 600 years old. Almost 100 years, he's working on this boat. I mean, after the first month, I'd be questioning whether God was like the one talking to me or if I was just dreaming it. And here's the deal. It's never rained in the history of the world before the flood happens. And so he's talking about flood and rain and all this stuff. And these people walking by watching him build this big boat are thinking he's crazy. And not only that, he's putting a zoo together at the same time. I mean, think about it. But there was a process that God had to do. And, and I'm telling you, I don't know how big your calling is, but probably the bigger the calling, the longer the process is going to take. Even Jesus, when he was 12 years old, was ready to preach, right? He was sitting in the temple. They went over to the Passover and to the other town. And he's in the temple whenever his family leaves and they're in a caravan. And then three days later, his mom's looking for him. He's like, where did Jesus go? And they're like, I don't know. And they're, they're looking around. They had to go back to town to get him. And she goes and he's in the tabernacle preaching and talking to all the guys in the synagogue, right? 
And she goes, where have you been? He said, Mom, don't you know I had to be about my father's business? And then you don't hear from him again from age 12 to age 30. I don't know what kind of trouble he got in, but that was a long grounding period, right? But God had to develop Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And think about this. He was developed for 30 years so he could have three years of ministry and for about three hours of purpose. 30 years of the process, three years of ministry for three hours of purpose. What's God trying to do inside of you? What does he have planned for you? I mean, if it's too big, it's probably what he wants to accomplish. And it's not too late. He's not done with you. As long as there's a breath in your body, he still has a plan for your life. Number three, we need to be captivated by God's faithfulness. In the end, Joseph, in the story, um, he's like the guy. He started with a dream for him, right? He has a dream, and then God shows him he's going to be over everything. Well, he's sitting in the jail cell still. And these guys had these dreams, this baker and this wine guy. And so the whiny guy, he, like, he like has this dream, and he tells Joseph about his dream. He says, does anyone know how to interpret? Joseph's like, yeah, I do. God interprets all dreams. And so he tells him his dream. He's like, okay, well, in three days, they're gonna, you're going to be reestablished, and you're going to get to bring wine back to the Pharaoh again. And so he's like, oh, that's cool. And so then and God works this way sometimes. He's kind of tricky, right? So he gets the wine guy, and he's like, and the bread guy's like, oh, that's cool. I had a dream too. I'm going to tell you mine now. Because he was like, I'm going to test the water first. So the bread guy tells him his dream and get this. The Bible's awesome. Some of you already know, right? Oh, in three days, you're going to die, right? He's all excited, thinking he's going to get restored again. And no, your, your dream was bad. In three days, you're going to die. And so he tells the, the guy when he goes and he's reestablished, he said, don't forget me when you get there. I, I've been here for a while, man. I'm doing all I can. I've been faithful, doing all that you told me to do, God. I don't understand why I'm sitting in a jail cell right now. I mean, it looks like it's all over with. Y'all ever, ever had that prayer? And he gets there and he forgets until Pharaoh has a dream. He dreams about these fat cows and these skinny cows. These ten fat cows or seven fat cows come out of the Nile River and then these seven skinny cows come out and they eat up the fat cows. And then he dreams about this corn stalk. I mean, these are some crazy dreams. wonder what he had for, for dinner the night before, right? And so this stalk of corn grows up, and these fat, seven fat stalks of corn grow out, and they pop out first, and then these real skinny, nasty, diseased stalks of corn come out, and they eat up the fat stalks. And he goes all around to ask all the magicians and all the wise people, and he says, what's going on? What does this dream actually mean? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And then the wine guy's like, hey, yeah, um, actually there's a guy in prison that told me about my dream, and then I was like reestablished, and I forgot all about him. But he's still down there, and so um, you might ask him. And so Pharaoh brings him up. They clean him up. They bring him before Pharaoh, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And then Pharaoh begins to look at his track record. And then in a moment, he becomes the second highest person, probably at that time because of the position Pharaoh was in, over the world. We're not talking about President of the United States. We're talking about over the entire world. The second only to Pharaoh. It's a huge calling, right? 
me tell you something. God's faithful. When he gives you a plan, when he makes a promise to you, God's word has never, ever, ever failed or lied to me. Ever. Since I started following him, he's never, ever let me down. But I will tell you, when I got saved and I gave my life to God, I did go through a process. I remember when I got saved and I gave my, life, my heart to God, I, was, I, mean, I, I came out of alcohol and drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm in my living room giving my heart to God. I get hooked up with this guy in this church, and he takes me under his wing. This pastor, he was amazing what he did. And he guided me. He said, you need to fast and pray and ask God what you're supposed to do. And I was like, okay. And so I'm fasting and praying. He says, there, there should be one of these five things that God's calling you to do that you'll be your primary, you know, your primary ministry. So I'm praying. I'm seeking God. And I'm reading the Bible. I mean, I read through the whole Bible. I ate it up in like three months. I didn't have, I turned off cable. I turned everything off. All I did was read the Bible, um, ate food, went to the restroom went to work, came back, read the Bible, ate food, went to the restroom. Anyways, so you get the point. So anyways, I'm a youth pastor. Um, so anyways, I remember I was praying and I was, I was seeking God and all of a sudden this one day these scriptures start jumping out and it's like evangelist, evangelist. And I go um, over to Eskimo Joe's. Any of you like Stillwater, you know, go Pokes. woo you don't get that very often, so I thought I'd throw it out there. And so I'm in Eskimo Joe's, and I remember the poster's still there to this day. I check for it every time I go in there. And there's this one poster that says, Evangelisti, 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 with this weird little goofy monkey drinking alcohol, which is what I came out of. So in a way, I was like, oh, that's cool, man. I can come out of alcohol just like my story. And then... I go and look it up. I'm like, I don't even know what an evangelist is. So I look up and I type it in on the computer. This is in the 90s. This is before we had high-speed Wi-Fi free everywhere. And I type in evangelist and this guy named T.D. Jakes pops up on the screen. And I see this picture of this guy. And he was, I was like, this powerful man of God. And that guy can preach. I mean, I don't know if I can ever touch anything close to that. But come on. T.D. Jakes and God said, one day you're going to stand before thousands like him. And you're going to preach the gospel. It's been a long road. I cannot tell you the number of times in the different church situations I've been. I, I watched two church plants crash and burn. That was to begin my ministry. The very first churches I ever joined were church plants that just crashed. And I spent many uh, moments praying to God and seeking Him. And there were a lot of times that I left a church not always because I wanted to, but because God was removing me from this place. And I would, I would kneel down at an altar, something like this, and I would be praying and bawling my eyes out. I mean, not the little tears. I mean them gator tears. Like, whoa, snotty, messy. Like, I felt like my life's over with. Like, how can I go on? I remember driving down the road just a few years ago saying, God, I don't know if I can do this another time. I don't know if I can take this again. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Is this really what you've called me to do? Because this is hurtful, man. This, this, this is really painful. This sucks. I'm broken inside. I don't feel like I can, I can even come out of this. And, man, I was fighting depression. I was fighting everything. I'm going to tell you something. God's faithful. And if you won't give up, you'll persevere. And you'll allow that process to do what it needs to do. And you'll recognize it for what it is. Because you don't have to be in, in all this turmoil and this pain. You don't, have to be, you don't have to allow it to beat you up. You can see it for what it is as a tool that God wants to use to prepare you for your purpose. 
Because God wants to do great things for you. Yeah, that's all right. Because I'm standing here today because God is still working on me. But he's brought me a long ways in a short time. It hasn't been 100 years of building a boat. I haven't sat out in a pasture with a bunch of stinky sheep for 20 years. I didn't go to jail. I mean, it's been pretty easy, really, if you look back on it. But how about you? How's your plan going? How's that vision that God's given you doing? Can I pray for you guys today? You guys close your eyes and bow your heads. Don't look at anyone. I'm just going to ask two things, okay? First is, first is more on this, this plan side. If you're here today, and, and, as I, and I shared my story in this message about Joseph and, and talking about patience and perseverance and all this, I mean, God's been really dealing with you because you're like, Pastor Red Dog or Pastor Michael, I, I feel like it's over, man. I don't feel like I can keep going. Like, I'm in that place where you were so long ago, and I, I, it's time. I'm ready to, to surrender everything and trust God no matter what. If that's you today, you're ready to completely surrender to him and allow him to do his work in you. I want you to slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Awesome, 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 awesome. Wow, yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah, awesome. I see you. Awesome, thank you. Awesome. One more question, and we'll pray together. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you, you haven't fully realized what can happen in your life. See, I gave my life to God first, and then he gave me the vision. He gave me the dream that I needed to accomplish. You may already know what that vision is, but you can't do the impossible without God. And so if you're ready to surrender your life to him, you're ready to say, Jesus, I'm ready for you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm ready for you to take over everything. Here's the deal. He came. He was sent by the Father to die for you, to take away all your sins, to take away all your, your pain, to heal you, and to give you eternal life. Because three days later, he came back to life, and it gave us eternal life with him. And so if you're ready to say, Jesus, I give you my life today, will you just slip your hand up today so I can pray with you? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. You guys pray with me. Say, God, I surrender. I'm captivated by your plan and your promise. And I'm ready for your process. Will you just move in me, change my heart, and let me see you in everything that you do. I'm ready for the healing to go away. Heal the pain inside and make me new. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You gave your life so that I could live again. And that you came back to life so I could live forever with you. And I pray in your name. And everybody said really loud. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Thank you online. You guys did an awesome job.